about marking off your coalition calendar, the new government this week began rattling through its 100-day plan, into the job and straight to work. But it's not exactly been smooth sailing. You can't defend $55 million of bribery. Tell the public what you signed up to to get the money. This called transparency. Okay. The behaviour that we've seen from Winston Peters in the last 48 hours is just wrong. Christopher Luxon needs to show that he is actually the Prime Minister um, and stamp down on that very quickly. No disrespect, but I'm not taking any lectures from Chris Hipkins. Kia ora, ko Katie Scott Shuraho, ane te purongo tōrangapu mō tēnei wiki. Welcome to Focus on Politics, I'm Katie Scotcher. ministers, the swearing-in ceremony at Government House is a moment of note, full of pomp and pageantry, the handover of power. Most of the MPs beamed, none more so than Christopher Luxon, who entered the banquet hall as national leader and became Prime Minister. I, Christopher Mark Luxon, swear that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to His Majesty King Charles III, his heirs and successors according to law, so help me God. It's worth reflecting on the occasion's significance, given just two years earlier, Mr Luxon was a mere backbencher in his first term at Parliament. He is New Zealand's least politically experienced Prime Minister, both an incredible feat and a potential liability. We're going to do more in 100 days than this government did in the last six years, so uh, (laughs) we're looking forward to getting into work. Mr Luxon has set enormous expectations for himself and for the new government, promising to rebuild the economy and materially improve people's lives. That is no easy task. This week, the new Prime Minister set out the coalition government's first actions, its plan for the first 100 days. It is ambitious, but it is necessary in order to bring about the relief to New Zealanders who have been doing it tough for way too long. The priorities of our government are no secret. We have been very clear to the people of New Zealand that we will rebuild the economy to tackle the cost of living. We will restore law and order and we will deliver better public services. And put simply, that means more money in your pocket, safer homes and workplaces, better, faster and more reliable health care, and an education for your children that delivers them the better choices for their futures. Next week, the House sits and this coalition government begins to put in place 49 actions within the first 100 days. These form part of a comprehensive and ambitious policy programme that over time will mean New Zealand sees better results for government spending, and it will help New Zealanders get ahead. The agenda is a mix of things out and in. Cell phones in school are out, pseudoephedrine and cold medicine in. The clean car discount will be scrapped, so two, three waters and Labour's RMA changes. Mr Luxon insists the plan will help ease the cost of living. If we can actually get this Reserve Bank focus on a single mandate of focusing and driving inflation down, that's great. If we can actually make sure costs that are being passed on to businesses that lead to higher prices uh, because of you know things like fair pay awards being added on to businesses, if you think about things like RMA, which is causing so much red tape uh, and adding cost and compliance cost to businesses as well, all of those things are going to unblock our system and start to get us moving in the right direction. We are determined 
we are absolutely determined to rebuild the economy to lower the cost of living. We are determined to actually deal with law and order, and we're determined to deliver public services. I've talked about your desire to ease the cost of living. There is a large expectation in the public that you will do that. When will people see a material difference in the amount of money that they have in their bank accounts? Well, as we've, as we've committed to, we're going to deliver low- and middle-income New Zealanders tax relief uh, and the amounts that we talked about through the election campaign. But it's going to happen uh, early next year, in the and that's what we're going to do. Well, we're starting the work to make sure that there's a series of actions that we're taking, and I just encourage you to go through the 49 actions and see the package of what we've got on the table. And I just put it to you, I don't think there's been any previous government that's been as, as uh, aggressive about getting out of the blocks hard, fast and early in order to deliver for the New Zealand people. It's a hefty workload for a Cabinet which has so far been dogged by distractions driven partly by the new deputy, Winston Peters. Since the day the coalition deal was signed, the New Zealand First Leader has repeatedly upstaged the Prime Minister, derailing events by waging war on the media. Please do not be mathematical morons and keep on saying it's 40 days. And don't argue about it, there's not a conference competition here. You want to argue with me, you should have been there before the election, maybe I'd have got more votes. All right, all right. You've lost. You lost. We'll see the speed at which TVNZ and RNZ, which are taxed by our own, understand this new message. We'll see whether these people, with the media and journalists, are they independent? Well, that's not fascinating. I've never seen the evidence of that the last three years. You can't defend $55 million of bribery. Okay. Tell the public what you signed up to to get the money. It's called transparency. Okay. The new opposition and Labour leader Chris Hipkins has used the antics to challenge the Prime Minister, calling for him to show some leadership and pull Mr Peters into line. I'm not entirely clear that Christopher Luxon's really in control of what's going on within the government, and they're only a couple of days in. It does not bode well for the future. Honestly, Chris Hipkins, uh, as a guy that had the biggest majority uh, in the post-MMP environment, uh, had a terrible election result, uh, and I'm not taking lectures from a guy who lost four ministers in four months. I just think um, he's a desperate man at the moment. Mr Luxon says he would have chosen his words differently from Mr Peters, but shares his frustration with the Public Interest Journalism Fund. It's not the way I would describe it, but I actually also don't support the fund either, uh, as do many New Zealanders. Uh, they don't think it was a good idea. Many of us don't, uh, and I would be one of those people that didn't, didn't think it was a good idea. What I'd just say to you, though, is that we are now in a coalition government. We have three parties in this government. There will be different personalities, there will be different ways of expressing things. It may not be the way that I would express everything all the time, but it's important that everyone understands that, because actually what we are united behind is making sure we sort out the economy, sort out law and order, make sure we deliver better public services. So yes, we're going to say things in different ways uh, as different leaders and as different members of that team in a coalition government, and that's fine, that's acceptable. On Morning Report, News Hub's political editor Jenna Lynch and the New Zealand Herald's deputy political Editor Thomas Coglin joined me and RNZ's Corin Dan and Ingrid Hipkiss to dissect the week. A huge week, absolutely huge week, and yet somehow our new Deputy Prime Minister has been dominating all of the headlines. Uh, nothing to see here, this is just MMP, says our new Prime Minister. Uh, Jenna, I might start with you. I get the impression from your reporting this week that you might not be buying that argument. <laughs> I think Christopher Luxon had a pretty tough task uh, in trying to deal with that. Uh, the oldest excuse in the book for Winston Peters came out writ large, Winston being Winston. Uh, it's pretty hard to rein in a Winston Peters and trying to navigate a three-way coalition. It was his first, uh, Christopher Luxon's kind of first test at that. I do think
think he could have taken a stronger line on the substance of Mr Peter's claims about editorial independence and um, so-called, well, him falsely uh, accusing the media of uh, taking bribes through the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Christopher Luxon kind of almost almost fueled that by by saying that um, that rightly or wrongly there was a perception of it. I think he could have taken a, a stronger line on that. So how does he do that? He has to separate. I mean, we're, that was only about three days in, wasn't it? Is, is he going to have to uh, really separate the idea from the person in terms of dealing with whatever Winston Peters comes out with next? Well, he said that all three of them can express things in different ways and they won't necessarily always agree, and that's absolutely fine. In fact, I think that's actually quite good for our democracy. For the last term of parliament, we had a, um, a majority uh, a, a majority party, and everything was a government line. And I think a contest of a contest of ideas in politics is always a good thing. So great that we've got heaps of ideas flowing. I just think those ideas need to be based in fact. Yeah, well, there's certainly plenty of ideas. Uh, massive uh, coalition agreements there, with a lot on the to-do list uh, for the first hundred days. Uh, Thomas, how do you think the well, the first what two or three, four or five days of those hundred days have gone? Um, I mean, not great for the reasons that, that Jen has outlined. I think if you were a Martian coming down to earth for the first time and someone asked you who the New Zealand Prime Minister was, you'd say without a doubt it was Winston Peters. Christopher Luxon's <laughs> been completely absent. Winston Peters has been running rings around him. And when you look at the first this 100-day plan, this, this, this thing that's meant to stamp uh, the new government's authority on the country, um, one of the first things they're going to do is raise this bizarre sort of red flag with the World Health Organization. Um, you know, this this government sort of set itself up as as uh, as its mission to being to fight inflation, to to get back to basics, to to restore sort of economic confidence. Uh, and the first thing it's doing is starting a, a war with the World Health Organization. So I think I think it's been a really problematic first five days. And, and going into the next uh, the next few weeks, certainly before Christmas, Christopher Luxon needs to get into the beehive and start talking about those real retail politics uh, issues that got him elected, stuff like tax cuts, economic confidence, uh, cost of living stuff. Um, I don't think anyone wants to be spending their Christmas holidays arguing about conspiracy theories at the World Health Organization. Katie, their smoking uh, legislation repeal well, of the uh, that also, do you think that caught the government by surprise at the backlash that we've seen over that? Definitely, that was a, um, uh, an inclusion made, what was part of the coalition agreements, uh, national, I mean, New Zealand First and ACT both want to repeal the laws. It was included as part of national's coalition agreements with both of those parties, and it has totally blown up in their face. I mean, this week we have had uh, health, you know, multiple, um, countless people from the health sector, you know, cry foul over this. I think people are completely outraged over it. I mean, we had uh, the likes of Debbie Nardi were packing, Packer going to the extreme of calling it genocide. There are some, you know, really uh, Which intense was, feelings. Well, what do we think of that? Because that is an interesting oh, use of that. I think it was way, yeah. too, way too far. Way too but far. I think it does speak to the uh, level of emotion and feeling about this issue. And one uh, thing that really stuck out to me this week was uh, Shane Letty, the new health minister, who's obviously a doctor, Dr Shane and his response to it, he has been asked countless times about how he feels about this being a doctor and whether he is comfortable with it. Seems like he is. Uh, and in an interview with uh, Lisa Owen on Checkpoint this week, he actually he was asked about the smoke-free 2025 and he actually wouldn't even commit to that. So I think it extends beyond the 
the legislation that they will repeal. But that 2025 smoke-free uh, goal seems mm. to have gone up in smoke as well. Gina? Part of, part of the problem, I think, as well, for, uh, and the reason for the vociferous response to it, is that it came as a surprise to the public. New Zealand First and ACT had this as campaign pledges, but they were buried in manifestos. They didn't come out and publicly campaign on this issue. And so when it turned up in those coalition agreements, it came as a complete surprise to the public and, and no one was prepared for it. That and Nicola Willis, uh, Nicola Willis coupling it with the tax cuts and saying that she could pay for her tax cuts because of the smoke-free wind back, I think was a mistake. It also looks, I think it, it looks a wee bit, well, it is contradictory and it looks a wee bit silly just to see um, spokespeople from the government coming up and, and saying, uh, we don't want you to smoke. We would like to reduce the level of smoking in the country. We're also using the money raised from this to plug our, to plug our tax cut hole. Uh, both of those things can't be true at the same time. Uh, and, and everyone can see that. Around the parliament, is the government rattled by this, the lack of a honeymoon, so to speak, or do they just think, well, you know, we, we've come in with a certain policy agenda, this is what we're here to do, they've got their supporters, do they care? I think there might be a level of frustration at the, um, that this first week has kind of been captured the attention's been focused on Winston Peters and these smoking laws that National didn't campaign on. So I think there's a level of frustration. Uh, yeah. And I think the fear on behalf of, of National and, and ACT, and certainly I think this is a, a fear that Labour had when it was in coalition with New Zealand First, is that if you rein in Winston Peters uh, when he's going to war with whoever he's going to war with, then he, he turns his guns on you. And I think National would rather Winston Peters fight the media than Winston Peters fighting National, because we all know how, how that ended up. The big focus uh, is going to come on the books and the finances. So when can we expect to see the Haifu, the half-year opening of the books, and a mini-budget, and then this debate that has cropped up around the, whether there is a gap in the, in, the, in the fiscals or not, or whether Labor left them a train wreck. You know, this is this is the crux of the debate of the next couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, well, it has to be uh, has to be d- delivered to Parliament before the end of the year. So before Parliament rises, we'll get that um, that that half year half year update. Um, it hasn't been that long since we had a prefu, so I, I wouldn't expect it to be that much different. There might be some big uh, surprises there around the ETS revenue, um, but but I, I I can't imagine it would be that much different. One of the interesting things we'll see is that for Nationals' policies to be included in the half-year update. They have to have gone to Cabinet and been ministered in Cabinet. So one would expect the next Cabinet meeting, certainly, to, to minute a lot of these uh, a lot of these things that National wants in those books uh, so that you'll get to see them um, coming through the forecast. But one thing I, it'll be interesting to see is, is I, I think with the, the big tax cuts coming in July, they won't be in there. Um, the big question, obviously, is around the interest deductibility policy, which in the coalition agreement is backdated to the 1st of March mm. this year. Mm. Uh, one would expect that one would be in the half-year update. And, and the questions around the costings of that policy, ranging from $2.1 billion to $3 billion, quite a big gap. Uh, and, and it'll be really interesting to see where, where Treasury lands on it. Next week, the government's work will kick up a gear as Parliament swings back into action. Tuesday and Wednesday will be largely ceremonial with the election of Parliament's new Speaker and the Governor-General delivering the traditional speech from the throne. On Thursday, MPs will gather for the first question time of the 54th Parliament, the first face-to-face clash between the coalition government and opposition parties. That's Focus on Politics. I'm Katie Scotcher. Thanks for joining me. Mā te wā.